Hey, welcome to the Orange Mailbox. I'm Lamar, along with my brother and host, Logan. We have a special guest in studio today, Jeff Adamson. He is the coach of the Eastbrook Panther football team. Jeff, welcome to the show. What an honor. I'm excited to be here. Uh, we're excited to have you. Yes. So let's just go over a little bit of the uh, some stats from your time at Eastbrook. You've been coaching there for 31 years, so you started in 1988. Somewhere around there. Yeah, that's when I graduated high school. Uh, you have a 280 and 89 overall record. That's a 76% winning percentage. You have a 68 and 35 tournament record, which is a 66% winning percentage. You have eight undefeated regular seasons. Joined the CIC in 98, right? Somewhere. Yeah. I'm not great with dates, so I'm, I'm going to agree with everything you say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you have 14 CIC titles shared or outright, 15 sectional titles. Two of those are in Class 3A. We are Class 2A right now. Seven regional titles and four semi-state titles. We don't have the elusive state title yet. It will happen. It will happen. It will I happen. do. I believe that. But just looking at these stats here, there's hundreds of coaches throughout the state that would just die to have this kind of a program, and uh, it's quite awesome what you've accomplished there. And to top it all off, the stadium is now called Jeff Adamson Stadium. Normally, that happens after you're gone or you're in the ground. Yeah, just to be clear, I don't have any intention of dying, number okay. one, or I know that will happen at some point. I'm not in a hurry for that, uh, and, and I don't want to retire. Got a, got a lot of bills. I've got to work for a while. But, uh, well, you're also administrator at the high school, right? Assistant, yeah, assistant principal. principal. Yeah, so you're, uh, you burn the candle at both ends quite often. It's, it's, a, it's a great place. Um, it really is. I, I, I think, uh, you know, when you think, when you were mentioning those, um, the the one thing I really think back on is, uh, you know, when we started, uh, Eastbrook at that point really didn't have a, a great tradition of winning. And, uh, we, we talk about this in the coaching, uh, office quite a bit, how much things have really changed. And, uh, a lot of these conversations are with Harold Coates cause he would have been playing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, at, at the time when things really started to turn. And Harold is... What's his position on the coaching staff? Well, he he's got a lot of positions. That that could be that could be a whole <laughs> whole other uh, interview here. He's a quarterback coach. <laughs> he's uh, he's the scout team coordinator, the scout team quarterback. In all in all seriousness, Harold probably knows the offense as well as anyone else. Even though it's a lot different than the offense we ran while he was there, but. Uh, He's he's great. We we just have these discussions all the time about how funny it is uh, because remember he he was quarterback when we won our first sectional and the excitement that we had when we won was just hard to describe because we we felt like we'd climbed an incredible mountain. It was just unbelievable. We didn't know how to act. We didn't know, you know, what the procedures were. Uh, we we were all running in the locker room and uh, Don Deemer, the principal, then had to call everybody back. To, you know, to accept the trophy, we, we didn't. You know, we didn't know, and uh, the school was excited the next day. There was a big pep rally, and it, it was really spontaneous. And uh, you know, you fast forward to this year, we'd we'd won our sectional over at Eastern, and Greg Kyle was our you know new AD, and he he was just had that same kind of excitement, and we're just all calm and 
more business-like, and, and uh, we're telling them this is just one step. You know, we're, we're ready because you don't understand. I've coached football for 20 years. I, I was never a part of this. Yeah. And uh, wow. kind of well, keeps things in perspective, I think. I would say after 15 sectional titles, it'd be just commonplace now in this community. It, it, it's it, expected. It, I, I think it is um, in, in, in a good sense of, of that, but I think it also – I think among the team, the players, and, and even the coaches, it's it's a step. You know, it's it's an accomplishment. But you also you're you're not content at that point. You wanna you, you feel like you're getting prepared for the next step. You know, right? You, you know, you got a regional to prepare for. You want to celebrate that moment, and you know, on the bus ride home, or even when you go in the coach's office, if it's a home game, we're already trying to find tape on our next opponent and get things ready. Yep. I did have a chance to talk to uh, Mr. Kyle. And like you said, he had never been part of, of any sectional championship, anything. And he was in awe, really. He was awestruck at the, the whole atmosphere. He's had a big fall. You know, uh, boys and girls soccer both had a great year. And then, uh, you know, football, we had, had a run to the state finals. Uh, he, he was burning the candle, man. There was uh, <laughs> that weekend of Thanksgiving. You know, sometimes it's easier to watch film out at the school and uh there was i've spent a lot of hours out there just trying to get things ready and uh he was out there the whole time uh he just getting all the paperwork ready and all the things you have to do to play at lucas oil is it's almost absurd it really is but uh he did a tremendous job taking care of all that stuff that you don't want to do because has nothing to do with game planning right and uh, it still has to be done but he did a great job with that stuff now um did you play high school football in this area yeah, I played at Eastbrook. Uh, oh, Bob Cornell East. was uh, coach at that time, and uh, still still have uh, great friends, um, you know, from that that time period that uh, played with. Still in connection with a lot of them. What position did you play? Well, I was, you know, I was really good. Um, <laughs> 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 no, I was not. Uh, played receiver and uh, defensive back. We had uh, at that time uh, the playoffs were quite a bit different. You had to qualify for the playoffs, and uh, we we had two really good. Uh, my, my junior year and senior, year, we had two really good teams that didn't qualify, even though we only had uh, one loss my junior year and two losses senior year. We we didn't qualify for the playoffs. It was, I remember that as being very disappointing, but uh, uh, we, we'd won our conference, the old MIC, both of those years, and that was really neat. Bob Cornell was just a tremendous man. He was had a great influence on me as, as a person individually, but uh, definitely a, a big influence on, on how I coach and some of the things I try to do, you know, leading the program. Uh, he was a great reflection on what a coach should be, I think. Where, um, where did you go on to? go to college and uh went to manchester college harvard of the midwest uh, <laughs> the uh, uh did not go there for academic purposes went there uh primarily for uh football actually it was uh it was kind of a last minute decision um i, I originally was going to go to ball state uh had a small journalism scholarship i was really excited about it and at the last minute uh actually i, I remember it's at the very end of the year uh bob cornell left Eastbrook uh, to go to Manchester, and uh, he asked if I'd come down for a visit, and it, school was already out, and uh, I went down to visit with um, a couple other guys that were at Eastbrook. Joe Marley was their quarterback, and Rick Fights was an offensive lineman, and uh, we went and visited. I loved loved the campus. I liked the, the smaller campus, and, mm-hmm. and, it, and it really, uh, the, obviously, the big th- turning point was just him. I, I never would have visited 
uh, Manchester even with without him. But I uh, really wanted the, the thought of getting being able to uh, play some more football. Uh, Rick Fights ended up going there. Joe Marley didn't. It was a, it was a great experience. Uh, mm. Loved it there. And you were a star on the football team. I, I was not. Uh, <laughs> I was not. Uh, played. I, I thought I was going to go play defensive back. I walked in. Um, we were. It, it was just different th- than the way things are now. You didn't. You didn't have guys that would stay on campus over the summer and that kind of thing. Everybody showed up maybe that second week of August, um, and it was. It was obvious that nobody knew anyone else there. I mean, even the returning players, there, there was probably only about 30 or 40 guys that were returning, and the rest were all incoming freshmen. There was probably 70 incoming guys that, you know, they had all recruited. And uh, I went over to get a black jersey for defense, and Cornell said, no, you, you need to come over here. And uh, it, he give, it was – He'd give you the water <laughs> yeah, water bottles yeah, to start the, carrying and, around. And the water tray. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, – <laughs> it, it, it was it was a great experience. It really was, and I, I still have uh, a lot of guys that I played football with at Manchester that I uh, stay in contact with all, all the time. Got a lot of texts from those guys and we're in state finals and, and and that kind of thing. But uh, it's a brotherhood, isn't it? It, it really is. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, you know that with Chandler, just how tight guys get when you kind of go through the common suffering together, yeah. I guess. But uh, Chandler's my son, by the way. Good old Chandler for all Number our nine. listeners. Number out nine. There. Um, but it, it, it was really good. Um, we got uh, um, we weren't very good the first year there. Uh, a lot of young guys in the junior and senior year there. We we were pretty good. We were competing. We did not win uh, the conference championship. Uh, we had two really good teams, uh, Finley and Wilmington, that have both moved up out of Division Three. But they were incredible programs at, at that time. I think my favorite story we had. Uh, my first game is in college. Um, we got behind early. We had to throw, you know. So you, you know, you individually you get a get a lot of passes. And it was a lot different than high school, mm-hmm. and uh, got some kind of honor. I don't remember. It was like conference player of the week or something. I don't know what that was. And uh, the next week we played Findlay, and uh, you know now I'm really thinking I'm pretty good. I we go <laughs> first play of the game line up, and there's a giant linebacker over the top of me covering and I thought God this is gonna be easy I mean this guy he, I'm quicker than him I took two steps off the line of scrimmage and I was knocked completely out I mean not <laughs> not off the field I mean I was knocked out and uh other time I, zone that's that's when I realized uh, college was going to be a lot different uh that was the last thing I remembered from that night <laughs> that's funny so Don't you worry. said this Bob Cornell yeah you looked up a lot to Bob was he probably one of your main mentors, or I know you kind of mentioned him in that light, but who motivated you, or did you draw from these, other than Bob, was there anybody else that really motivated you to personally and on the field? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, you know, just co-telling on that, I think Bob Cornell was a terrific man, first of all. Um, when he when he came into Eastbrook, you know, and this would have been, gosh, I don't know, late 70s, and uh, he, he had adopted, uh, I think he had four uh, black kids, had a, had a really large family. They, they were really involved in the community, and, uh, you know, Eastbrook is not always the uh, area of cultural diversity. I mean, what a great example. Um, not, not just in the way he was with his family, but the way he was with his community, the way he treated players on the team, and, and um, so much more than just football, you know, uh, all, all the time. 
And uh, another guy that we had at Eastbrook that had a big influence on me was Tim Sumner, and he just passed away this week, uh, found out. He was our baseball coach, um, left Eastbrook, went to Mississippi State, had a tremendous career coaching baseball there. Um, Coach Rafael Palmero, Will Clark, you know, some some great guys, great guys there. Actually had a chance. uh, It was a big turning point for me personally. I was, after I left Manchester, I was set up to uh, take a graduate assistantship at Mississippi State. Really excited about it. I'd gone down there and uh, met all the people I needed to meet. And uh, it was about two weeks before I was supposed to go. Uh, We'd already had a going away party. It's packed. (laughs) I had stuff in boxes. And uh, I was working down at the grocery store here in Upland. Dave Martz came in, and I'm carrying his groceries out. And he said, hey, we just had an opening. Jim Etherington just left. You teach social studies. We've got football, uh, basketball, baseball open. And I thought, wow, what a a great opportunity. I squirmed for a few days on what to do and, and, uh, you know, decided to take that. But – The the other great influence was my dad. Um, My my dad and I coached uh, Little League Baseball together. We coached flag football together. I was coached. This was while I was in high school. And even when I was in college, we came back, and we always coached a baseball team together. And uh, uh, we we, we strategized for hours over, you know, who we were going to draft, where we were going to play guys. And uh, um, dad was always a guy – Every high school game, every college game, uh, they, my mom and dad never missed a game uh, in any of that time. They never, really never missed a game that I coached in even. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, even now, dad comes over usually on Saturday or at least seems Sunday at church, and uh, we, we have a little bit of rehash of the game and try to, t- I, I don't know how much strategy we took. We talk as much anymore, talk more about the personalities of some of the guys and what they can do. And, yeah. Um, I, I, I really enjoy that. That's that's time well spent for me. So kind of piggybacking what you were talking about before about your personal life, coaching. So you're an administrator at the high school, head football coach for 31 years. How do you maintain your sanity <laughs> with what you have to deal with? You're dealing with kids yeah. year-round pretty much. Yeah. And then you got your spouse, your wife. I mean – not saying that's a bad thing, <laughs> but uh, you've got a lot of stuff on your plate. I mean, how do you? Well, you you, you hit on the big thing there, and, and and you know Candy well enough to know this. Uh, you cannot be as involved. Or th- there's no way you can be a successful coach without having an understanding wife. Um, and Candy is, she's coach of the year as far as wives go. Uh, phenomenal. Uh, she she's very supportive. She, she understands, you know, just as an example, uh, you know, for the past two years, me and some of the coaches have taken spring break and we've gone down to uh, what we're going out to West Point and uh, try to study some football. And uh, she's fine with that. Uh, but she, she's great about that. Uh, she, she understands it's going to take a lot of work. And d- during the season, uh, she takes care of, you know, the other things that need to be done, with, you know, when you're, up watching game film and that kind of stuff. She's just phenomenal with, with that kind of stuff. But um, It's obvious she's a huge supporter because I see her at every game. Yeah. And after the game, she's out on the field and she's waiting for you. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, we, we've done that. Uh, she's only missed a few games. She She's uh, she's had to miss a couple times. with. She set through a few games with some kidney stones. Mm. <laughs> she's She's been tough about that. Uh, she missed uh, 
couple games a few years ago after uh, one of the hurricanes down south. She was on a team that went down and, you know, did some service down there. Uh, she's a nurse, uh, so uh, she provided some medical care down there through that. But she's just phenomenal with with all of that, all that stuff. And, and she loves it. You know, she always gets that question, are you glad football's over? <laughs> she's, yes, uh, but never when that happens too early. You know, when it happens first or second exactly. round of the sectional. But it's she never wants, truly over. <laughs> yeah, she, she would admit to that. Yeah. <laughs> she sat through a game with a kidney stone. <laughs> She is tough, and she is dedicated. I'll tell you that. My it, God. She acts like those are really painful. I've never had one of those. but you don't uh, want one. Uh, we've had them. <laughs> she's, uh, she's complained about that a little bit. That's what childbirth feels like. I've heard oh, that. buddy. So when you have the uh, all this going on during the year, and what do you do to uh, unwind and kind of pull back from all that intensity? through the year, especially when you start getting into the tournament time and just a lot of intensity that nobody really knows about. So what do you do to get some relief from all that and all the time? I know you're, I heard you're a music buff and a history buff. You like music and you're a big history buff. I didn't know if any of that would play into it or not, but you know, what do you do to, to pull back and. Yeah. When, when the season's over, I, First, I'd say, you know, you asked about, uh, you know, how do you balance the administration, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. For me, the football is that relief. I mean, the, the worst day that you could possibly have inside the school, you can leave that in the building when you get to walk out on the field and be around that group of guys. Uh, so so that's that's the relief there. But I do I, – I like to read. I love to uh, – you know, we, we go to Nashville once or twice a year maybe – Go listen to some good bluegrass music. I love to listen to the Harness family when, whenever they get together and play. Um, but but I think, uh, you know, the balance comes just trying to uh, – just getting to spend time with my family. I mean, we, we don't have to go anywhere or do anything necessarily. I think we we spend a lot of time just, just there at the house, you know, either setting out at a fire out at the pond mm-hmm. um, or, you know, just we've we got a great group of friends uh, – all of the football coaches, th- those that's my group of best friends. And so, you know, even outside of football, we, we do things with um, with them and their wives. And uh, obviously now that we've got a granddaughter, you know, any time that you spend with her is oh, incredibly yeah, precious time. And uh, it was it uh, two years ago we had lost in a semi-state with about 1.8 seconds left, if I remember that vision of the clock being burned into my mind, but that would be against Woodland. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that, that was a tough night. And uh, my daughter and my son-in-law brought Nora down, and uh, that next morning, and uh, kept me from committing suicide that next morning. <laughs> and uh, I just just held her for a little while, and felt like the world's gonna be all right, you know. Yeah. But but I think I, 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 in all seriousness, I I think you have to strike some kind of balance. But uh, during during the season. I don't know how to describe this well. You immediately after a game, you start thinking of the next one. You've got preparation, you've got film to watch, you've got things to get ready, and and it, and it just keeps rolling over and over till you get into the playoffs. And then wherever that last game falls, if it's after the first round of the sectional, or even if it's in the state finals, that last game is it, and it ends so abruptly. It's it's just it's difficult to explain, and and uh, you you know you, you spent. All these weeks with these guys together, and you know you're fighting for a common cause, and all of a sudden it's over. And uh, 
Well, especially the seniors, because you're you're yeah. like a father figure to them. And like you said, and it ends abruptly. Their career's over in high school football. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And they're standing around, they're hugging each other, crying, whatever, and that, you're that, the person they look to. That that part is, I, I, I can't express how much, how much that tears your heart apart because, you, I mean, you're, you're so appreciative of everything that that group of guys has given you, not just for that year, but, you know, all the way through. Right. And, and you feel their pain, and, and you, you know you're going to miss them. You, you know, not just what they did on the field, but just – you know all the silly stuff they, you know they did during practice, whatever else, and it's, and it's hard to, uh, just move on. You, you, you know, like they always say, you know, ask on the radio. Well, when do you start preparing for next year? You feel almost like you're cheating on the guys that you just had to <laughs> even start talking about that. You know, uh, well, the, the senior class this year is, is even more special. What they accomplished in their four years, four sectional championships, four regional championships, three semi states. That's an an unbelievable class that came up. It really is. And I I think those guys, there's so many people that have to contribute to make that happen. I mean, it's not just the coaches. It's not just the players. It's got to, you know, the parents have a huge role in in all of that and making sure that things are smooth. It's a community effort, that's for sure. It it really is. And uh, I don't think you can really understand how much that is until you're tied into it and see how all those pieces have to fit together, you know, and any one person along that way who's being too selfish or, you know, not happy with the role that they're playing or whatever disrupts all of that flow. And, uh, you know, those the group that just uh, finished their career this year, all of those things were, were there. I mean, they, they had a really good group ahead of them. They learned from that group. And they're going to leave a legacy of how well they worked with the younger guys to bring them along because oh, yeah. we, we had a lot of young guys playing this year. I've talked to several people that have commented when they come to an Eastbrook football game. Of course, the talk is they want to go to Ivanhoe's. Everybody loves Ivanhoe's. <laughs> sure. A little plug for Ivanhoe's there. But I've heard several people say that it's obvious that we have community buy-in to your program, and the fan base is phenomenal. And a lot of places we go, we travel to away games, our fan section is more packed than the home team. That says a lot. That says a lot about you. Says a lot about your staff. Says a lot about the kids playing. It's it's awesome to be part of it. It it is, and and it's uh you know you mentioned that going to away games and and things, that, especially when you get in the tournament. I mean that that's when it becomes really really important. We travel well. Yeah, the 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 conference games are close. You, you know you're you're gonna get in the car and be there in half an hour. Right. A lot of those tournament games, um, you know, you may have to go. Uh, I mean, for the last couple, going up to Whiting, oh you know, my. that was a two-day trip <laughs> to that get there, going to, going to <laughs> Rensselaer, some of those places. But, uh, you know, to have that kind of following makes makes it feel like a home game, you know. You need that. And another example, we don't have enough money in the athletic budget or enough money in some fund to buy all the guys' rings you know, when you go to the state finals and uh, Greg Kyle put out a call for that, we had almost all the money that we need raised within two days. I mean, just people contributing. One of the coolest things, we kind of reached out to that Eastbrook Brotherhood group that's mm-hmm. on Facebook, and uh, a lot of those guys made some sizable contributions to help with that. I didn't get an invite to get a ring, though. You need my ring size? Yeah, do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Logan had talked about you being a history buff, but I've noticed throughout the years, you always have these these quotes, and they get the shirts and the hoodies made with these quotes on them, and 
you have to spend hours trying to find these quotes that you come up with, these battle cries. And my son still remembers. Well, he had a special one. He, well, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he had one that I carry. I, I love to read. Um, that, that was another thing. Um, I, I remember being very young, and my mom and dad always read, and, and it was very common at my earliest memories, I always got books for Christmas, for birthdays, you know, from every, I had three or four books that were about how to make paper airplanes. I had, I had books about guys who played the NFL, you know, all, all those kind of things. But, you know, as you get older, you, I, I just continue to, to read. And uh, I think history provides so many real life examples. My favorite stories to read are about, um, the military, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I think there's so many things that are applicable there. But survival stories are stories of guys who have overcome huge obstacles, to, you know, to be able to get to where they are, those those kind of things. And, and I think so many athletes in general relate to those kind of stories. Yeah. So I love to collect quotes. Um, Tim Helm, our pastor at Hanfield, <laughs> there's, you know, you're supposed to be listening to the sermon and I, I am, I should get credit for that, <laughs> but, but, uh, he, he often, you know, throws something in and I'm, you know, scrambling, trying to write, write that down on the sermon notes. Uh, but I try, try to collect those, you know, wherever, wherever you can. Yeah. Awesome. I've noticed, um, the first two games, we're going to talk about this season a little bit. The first two games of the season, you lost. It was fun. Um, uh, I didn't get to attend very many games this year, just reasons but one of the games that i did attend was the second game and we got thumped and um i was just curious as to how you go from two losses at the beginning of the season to most people would think well this is going to be a mediocre year where this will be a building year you know all the things they say but what did you tell those kids to rally them to finish out the season undefeated and then go on to play a state championship game in Indianapolis. How did you go from two losses to the state game? Well, I, I think, first of all, when we played Marion, like I had a lot of people ask, well, you know, why are you scheduling Marion? They're 4A team. You know, they're a lot bigger school, that kind of thing. Well, the schedule them because we felt like we'd beat them. <laughs> I mean, we'd scrimmaged them over the years. I'm not saying that egotistically. We, we felt like we would be able to compete well with them. We played very hard in that game. We, we didn't. I don't think we played our best, but we played hard, and uh, it was disappointing. We didn't want to lose the game, but we really felt like, at least with that game, win or lose, that was going to be a game that would help us become a better team. There, there, there are some things that maybe happen through the course of a game when you play somebody your own size or maybe a, a lesser experienced team that – uh, maybe don't show up or you get by with might be a better mm-hmm. way to say it. When you're playing a team like Marion, if you're not doing any phase of the game well, it shows up yes. big. And uh, <laughs> it, it did in that game. But at the same time, we felt like our guys played hard enough that that was going to be something we could build on and we knew that it was going to help us. And uh, even though we lost, I think we, we still had the focus of the guys. We felt good about it. Going into that second week against Delta, it was totally different. It was totally different during the game and after the game. We felt, felt very well prepared. Delta was a phenomenal team, and uh, they not only beat us, but there was a point in that game somewhere towards the end of the third quarter where we quit fighting back. And I haven't seen one of our teams do that in quite a long time. And as a coach, your, your fear is we've lost the guys. I mean, you, you could take the guys out to the practice field and work their tails off when you're winning because they, they, they know this is for a reason and there's going to be a reward right. afterwards. Yep. But after that Delta game, uh, 
it's been a long time since we've had a team where we felt that their confidence was bruised that bad that we didn't know if we were going to be able to rebound or not. Uh, the, the only thing that we told them was th- those two games weren't conference games. They weren't tournament games. Th- th- these are games we have to use to make us better. And a really neat thing happened. Our motto for the season was pound the stone. There's a fable about a stone carver who goes out every day and he's chipping away at this large stone. He's doing the same thing. And, and, and just all one day this king walks by and it's a magnificent carving, a magnificent structure. And the king is praising this guy. And he said, it wasn't the last strike that made this. It was all the thousands mm-hmm. before this. And we're just trying to emphasize to the guys, all, all these things that have happened to this point are going to help make us better. It's not where we're at right now. It's not what we do right now. It's what we keep continually doing to get better it was important that we got that message because after that we were starting our conference play and uh the next week we had um it was a very emotional game for me we were honoring tom wilson guy who had coached with us for a long time passed away many years yeah yeah uh that summer uh he'd been our defense coordinator uh for for many years we were playing madison grant he, he was a madison grant grad and we kind of worked with with them to you know, make it a Tom Wilson night. And uh, I wanted to make sure personally that our team was going to play extremely well that night. I mean, that was a personal thing for me, but I think a lot of the guys felt that as well. Our seniors had a great week of practice and really uh, emphasized to the younger guys, we've not been playing to our standard and we're going to get things right. And uh, it's not anything magical. It's just we're going to go back to the basics and do things right you know, you think you know, we're going to go out and yell at guys and make them run and do – it wasn't any of that. But uh, the guys played phenomenal th- that third week. And uh, we had a shutout, which is very fitting. Tom was our <laughs> defense coordinator for a long time. And uh, it just kind of validated everything that the guys had done to that point, regardless of the first two weeks. It was like, we're, we're going to stay the course. We're, we're just going to keep yeah. doing what we're, uh, what we're doing in the next – the next week was even more important because that was that was Mississippi, and that's the team you got to beat traditionally uh, to win the conference. Guys played really well, and that generated a lot of momentum going in through the rest of the season. I think prior to the season starting, in back of my mind, anyways, I'm thinking we could start the season one and three. I don't know the last time we started a season well, after, one and three. <laughs> after those first two, I was thinking there's a good chance we could start zero and four. Uh, well, you know, it didn't <laughs> didn't feel real good, uh, and and it's uh, the the psyche of a team and uh, how they feel about where they are at personally and and together as a team is so fragile, you know. And uh, yeah. like I said, after that Delta game, it didn't feel like that after the Marion game, but it felt like that after the Delta game that guys were just questioning where they were, plays that were called, uh, what. You know what we're doing scheme wise, everything. Nothing felt right, and uh, when I say it validated things, we didn't do anything different. You know that week preparing for Madison Grant, but you know to come out and get a win, I think yeah. just just kind of got everybody in the right frame of mind. What I saw against the Mississippi team would most definitely make Tom Wilson proud because the defensive effort in that game was phenomenal, and in my opinion. That was a turning point, and the rest of the season, as we know, is, is history. But watching that game, watching them kids go up against basically another Delta, so you can see the, the drive back in their eyes. You could tell that they felt they could win. You could almo- almost see that they felt that they, they should have beat Delta and Marion. You could see that, that life come back into them. And well, it provided us momentum in two ways. 
at that time when we played them, we felt we beat a bigger school, beat a 4A team, that, you know, that, that kind of thing. It wouldn't matter what class Mississippi is. That's, that's mm-hmm. the big rivalry game. We, we know that. But the biggest thing, like you said, was just the, there, there was a turning point in the type of effort that in, any less of effort on that night would not have been enough to win the game. And the defensive effort was incredible. I mean, we moved the ball a little bit on offense, but defense is what did it. When we get to the end of the season and we're in the tournament and then Mississippi ends up beating Marion, ends up beating Delta, it kind of gave our guys, you know, look, look at where we were. Exactly. And then, and, and then you know, so I get. I guess it gave us momentum in two different, two different parts. Oh, yeah. You know, at the beginning of the season, and also again at the end. It's it's fun to beat up on teams like that. You know, your Madison Grants, and and I've said you can go nine and zero every year if you want. That's great. It looks good on your record, winning percentage, and then losing the tournament. But that's not what your program's about. Yeah, you, you, the real season starts it, first it really, round of sectional. It really does, and, and I think you've. You know, if you if if you want to be the best team, I think you have to play the best teams, and and we needed to, we needed to reach out, outside our conference a little bit to play some bigger schools, and, and we try to do that in the summer too when we schedule some scrimmages. But but to play them in an actual game is a mm-hmm. is a different thing. So I think that was that was a really good move for us. It w- again, it was not fun at the time, but but I think it really helped us when we got into the tournament. Well, and we had beaten Delta last year, correct? Handily. About the same score they beat us, I think. Uh, they beat us a lot, a lot worse this year. Oh, it was, okay, well, I've slept since then. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it definitely <laughs> felt different, I'll tell you that. And ah. I, I don't want to lessen what you do during the season, but when tournament time comes around, when we were talking about intensity earlier, the intensity come tournament time is, is double. I mean, it's there's more focus. Not saying what you do during the season is any less because it's awesome, but – as we talked earlier, these guys from year to year, from freshman to senior, they expect to win because this has been a proven winning. Well, I know what you're trying to say. You're right. It feels different. I think we coach differently at that time. And I think even if you came out and watched a practice during the regular season and some of them that we have at the tournament, it looks different. Uh, I think, I, I guess I think there's a lot of factors in that. You know, you always get asked, how do you talk about the tournament, you know, without getting guys to look ahead, you know, or that kind of thing. We we try to make a big deal out of it. I mean, you know, when the draw happens on that Sunday night, we get together, we, we meet every Sunday night as a coaching staff, and we always get together earlier that night. We bring in some food. We're drawing up the bracket, and we're, everybody picks, you know, who are we going to play? Who, who, do, who are we going to get in the draw? And kind of make a big deal out of it, and then, we bring the guys in on that Monday and say, look, this is the this is the draw. This is who we, we have first. This is who we would expect to win coming out of the other brackets. And because uh, they're going to ask you that anyway. So, you know, so it's it's likely going to be home, away, home, you know, or whatever. If you're going to advance, um, but we talk about the, all that. Then we always stress these things. The most important thing is you got to play one game at a time. If, if you don't play well, you're turning your stuff in. And the second thing is you have to prepare differently because in the tournament you're more than likely you're having to play some teams that you don't play in the regular season and, and probably don't even hear a lot about, you know. Uh, our, our guys know nothing about Andrean or, or Eastside. They, they would not have heard yeah. about them through the regular season. They don't know what their school colors are. They, don't know, they couldn't find the school on a map, you know, so <laughs> – you, you, you know, and, and the internet has changed all of that stuff a lot now because every every one of their games are available. You know, you can get, you can get on there and get get the newspaper report. 
So you find out, you know, who, who's their best receiver, who's their number one running back, who, you know, who are the studs on the team, and tell the, you, you got to know who these guys are. You got to prepare, and then uh, the third thing is you, you just have to follow the plan. So what I mean by that is, you know, our our plan against Eastside was a lot different than than what it was against Andrain. Our, our plan against Eastern was different than what it, what it was against Eastside. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so the guys have to be able to adapt to that, depending on what kind of team that we're playing. And they're, I think, guys have been pretty good at following those three things. Oh yeah. Well, I think you just answered my question. What you have established here is a proven winning formula year after year. The stats don't lie. It was neat to um, talking about you losing the first two games and overcoming that. And then I had to listen on the radio and watch the game when he was playing up near Fort Wayne. I don't remember what the team's name was in the tournament, but um, I was listening to the radio announcer. He's a Fort Wayne announcer, and he said, um, "If you've never watched Eastbrook play football, they are performing a school on how to play defense right now." And I just thought that was so neat just to go from that start of the season to have somebody, you know, say, you're, this is a school on how you play defense right here. And you guys were on it too. It was, he was tackling great. And it was just, you was on it. I think the guys take a lot of pride in, in being able to, as a coach, you hope every year you get better through the course of the year and you're playing your best at the tournament. And I think, uh, I think this, this group definitely did that. They wanted to, forget about those first two games but they also wanted to you know just keep getting better and try to try to play as well as they could through the tournament and uh especially the younger guys uh that had a lot of sophomores playing and those those guys definitely improved from where they were at the beginning of the year and played an important role you know when we got in the tournament yes they definitely improved that was a couple of kids names that's all we heard <laughs> we heard their names and said their names all the time hale and dalton yeah <laughs> you heard their names Every play, almost. <laughs> yeah, J- Jason. Jason came a long way. He's he's working hard in the weight room already, or actually had been through the fall. Isaiah, I I think um, just kept getting himself at the right place at the right time. I, I mean, defensively, I, I don't know how many turnovers he collected, but you know that doesn't happen just by being a good player. I mean, I, Isaiah really paid attention to the scouting report. He understood what their favorite routes were, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, he's he was just a big player for us. And he got a lot more touches when we, we got into the tournament than what he had in the regular season and made the most of those, too. He's, he's going to be a really good player for us. I want to say, he did he break the season single-season single, single season record for interceptions? No. Um, did he have seven or eight? I think he may – I think he – I've I've got to look. I know um, Jacob Singer's got it with. I think he had eight in the regular season and had either thirteen or fourteen for a career. I, I think Isaiah ended with okay. six. I'm I'm not positive okay. on that. I haven't gone through all those and <laughs> matched it up with the record book yet. I've been lazy here since we've been done. What you been done, dude? <laughs> yeah, I tell you what. <laughs> I, I told Lydic last night we were sitting down there at the end of the gym, and I said, we got this break over Christmas. It's going to be one day where I'm going to sleep in. I'm going I'm to just try to sleep in and catch up. I, I don't know how tired he is doing both. but Was today that day you were supposed to sleep in, and here you sit talking to us? <laughs> I, I uh, got up early. They brought Nora down uh, about 8 o'clock, so <laughs> I had to get up before she got there. So if there was – this is 
changing kind of the subject a little bit here, but if you wasn't a football coach, what would be the one sport that you would want to coach? I, I really enjoyed baseball. I coached baseball for, for a long time at Eastbrook, I think uh, 10 or 12 years. I had to give up something when I started doing the assistant principal, and that's, yeah. that's where I ended up giving up. Really enjoyed that, and, and I really wish I, I could have coached at some point in there when, when Nate Brown took over the program or when Todd Farr was, oh, yeah. was running. I really would have loved to coach along, alongside uh, those guys. You know, they're two guys that have coached football for us. But I, f- I feel the way I feel connected to the football program, I feel that same way with the baseball program in that uh, spent some time coaching there and, and playing there. So I tend to, that would probably be the baseball. sport I'd be enjoyed. I also think that winning formula that you have has kind of spilled over into other sports. Like we talked about soccer having a good year. Softball has had decent years in recent years. I mean, it's just, I'm not saying that Eastbrook success is all solely because of you, but it's just amazing to see where you start and you build up a program like that. And it just winning breeds winning. Yeah. And I want you to think about this uh, with, within the football staff uh, extended. Okay. You got Harold coach is a, head softball coach Stu Goble is a head track coach Jeff Liddick uh, runs a weight program and and then also is a head girls basketball coach uh, Pat McLaughlin uh, helps on Friday nights he'd been a he's our principal uh, he's a former head football coach mm-hmm. um, so you've got all these guys who have head coaching experience and, and the value of that is incredible because they don't wait to be told or asked to do something. They, they see something that needs taken care of. And I mean, it could be anything. We've got three dummies left on the field. They get it. They see somebody doing something that's not a part of how we do things. It's corrected. You don't have somebody come over, coach, this guy's not doing this. <laughs> you know, like telling on somebody that they take care of it right there. And so it's uh, that in itself is incredibly unique within a small school. But um they're all phenomenal coaches in their own right, and it's an incredible dynamic to have those kind of people coaching alongside you because they all have their own unique experiences, coaching experiences to draw from and bring in on how to either deal with kids or deal with the, just any kind of situation that, that you have going on, and they're all good at it. Well, whatever they're getting paid to coach, it's not enough. I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> it goes for you too. Well, one last thing before we close out here. Where do you see yourself in five years? On the orange mailbox. <laughs> All right. In Hollywood, maybe. Well, we'd love East to interview Coast, you at West least Coast. three or four more times anyways. <laughs> I mean, we could sit here and talk all day. But honestly, where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, right here. To, to say I love Eastbrook is an understatement. I mean, I love the school. I love the people. I love, I love the people that coaching football has allowed me to be associated with and has allowed me to get into contact with. I mean, we've had some incredible players. We've got some incredible coaches. Some of the coaches that I've become friends with at other schools, you know, this is a place where all my kids went. This is where I met my wife. Uh, <laughs> I've got my family here. I hope that I live here long enough. I can be buried out at Jefferson Cemetery, and uh, you start having losing seasons. It'll be sooner it'll than you happen, think. It'll be happen quick. It'll be might be self inflicted. Oh my gosh! I, I don't deal with that very well. I struggle with that a little bit. I'm not a I'm not a good loser in any stretch of the imagination. Candy, just, Candy can tell you stories about that. 
it's just really neat to see somebody. I personally always enjoy watching somebody that comes into their destiny and fulfills it. And you know that's they're just running on all cylinders and they're hot and they're winning and whatever they're doing. And that's just a that's rare these days that somebody comes into this area and is raised in this area and is successful and just like you're just supposed to be here doing what you're doing. It's just it's a pleasure to watch that and to see somebody do that in life because most people are scattered 30 ways to sun. They don't know. They couldn't find their hind end with a GPS and two maps. And it's just neat to, to run across somebody that knows where they're going, knows they're supposed to be there, helping other kids find out where they're supposed to go. And uh, it's just a neat thing to watch that. But um, a couple things I'm going to ask you before we sign off here is, Okay, who's going to win the college tournament? Ooh, I think. Uh, you like LSU? Uh, that, that's uh, the, the coaches have a have a poll thing that we do with this, and I, and I I think LSU might be the team that is playing the best. It'd be incredibly difficult to not pick a team out of the SEC. I, so I, I I love what Clemson and uh, Dabo Sweeney have been doing. Not just what they've been doing, but the way they do it. I mean, I mean, their practices are structured differently and, and, and that kind of thing. But um, I think LSU's maybe the most talented team and playing the best right now. You think they'll play Ohio State in the championship? Well, it, when, when I watch these games, Candy always asks, who are you rooting for? 90% of the time I'm watching a college football ta- game or even a pro game, I, I don't care. I'm just watching from a coach's perspective. But I do have a pull for a big t- – Ohio State might be my least favorite Big Ten team, but, yeah. but I still want to see, you know, a Big Ten team do well. And uh, the Super Bowl, who's going to win the Super Bowl oh, this year? Oh, jeez, man. Be- because of the way we have to prepare th- through the weeks wh- while we're playing, I-, I get to watch very little NFL football unless it is a Monday night or a Thursday night game. So, like the Sunday games, I try to pay attention to the Colts, um, but obviously they're not going to be there this year. It, just a plug. You, you would be surprised at how much the Indianapolis Colts do to promote high school football in the state of Indiana. It, it's it phenomenal. Is, it is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And they were they were the first pro football team to reach out to the high school associations and begin a partnership uh, with that like they currently do with the IHSA. It's just phenomenal. The, the state finals don't happen at Lucas Oil without the Colts. Exactly. Um, but they also do – they started doing a clinic in the – I guess it was in the spring where the Colts coaching staff comes out and they talk everything from player development to – I mean, we, we set in on their session I went to. I set in with their uh, quarterback coach. They're showing game film, practice film. It was not a fluff clinic. I mean, they're, they're talking football, so neat thing with that. So back to your question, who's really going <laughs> to <win the, laughs> win the Super Bowl? Um you better I'm, not. You better not say the Patriots, or you'll get this. <laughs> you got some sound effects on there. That's awesome. I, I, I am a. I, I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not a Bill Belichick fan, but uh, I have great admiration for how they're able to consistently be competitive. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it is incredibly unique yes, in, in pro sports. Uh, Jeez, For, from what I've seen so far, I really like what the Chiefs are doing. I think they're going to have to be a little bit stronger on defense. But if I, I guess if I had to be pressed for a team, I'd, I'd go with Kansas City right now. 
I don't know. I like the Ravens myself. Ravens are tough. Okay. See, I could be swayed easily on. I haven't watched <laughs> well, a bunch of NFL. Their quarterback has an awesome name. Yeah, and they're don't get there. You go. There you go. And they're they're running some options. So yeah, let's, let's go with that. Any final thoughts? No, sir. I love this. I I, I, hope, I hope you guys have me back. We man. We'll, we are we, planning on having will, you back. Yes, we will. We can yeah. delve on any topic. I, uh, this is cool. We've talked for nearly an hour, and we could talk for another six for sure. Let's do. You're, again, you're getting me out of shopping. Let's let's talk all day. Coach, thanks for being here. I uh, appreciate you stopping by, yes, thank and you. Uh, we are looking forward to having you back. Hey, it's an honor to be the first guest on the Orange Mailbox. It's an honor to have you. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Mailbox Orange and on Instagram at Orange underscore Mailbox. You can also go to our website at www.theorangemailbox.podbean.com and check out all of our episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any comments or show ideas, drop us an email at feedback at theorangemailbox.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.